Destination Medicine is a collaborative initiative of regional training hubs. With first-hand lessons learned from those who have gone before, this podcast is designed to assist and inspire anyone interested in pursuing a medical career in rural and regional Australia. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Peter Letts. Dr Dana Duncan started out in psychology, but a flattering remark from a local GP set her on a path that has taken her to Australia's romantic, arid heart. Growing up in a small town, Dana navigated the challenges of studying in bustling Sydney, but she dreamed of working in a far more remote location. Her transition has seen her embrace challenging environments, providing meaningful care to underserved outback communities and dealing with diseases that are unheard of in Australia's cities. Dr Dana Duncan starts by explaining to Nicole Goodman why she decided to move from psychology to medicine. I probably realised that I wanted to study medicine a bit later than most people. I'd started a degree in psychology at the University of South Australia And while doing that, I did a class in anatomy and absolutely loved learning about how the body worked and all the kind of physics and the machines behind it. I was learning it more from a physio perspective than a medical perspective. And it was actually a comment from a local GP from my hometown. He made it to my aunt and said, did Dana ever try for medicine? It's a shame. I think she would have been good. And that kind of just set it ticking in my mind that it was a possibility. After that, I thought I'd give the UMAT a go. And I got a few interview offers. I assumed it was just because I was a rural student and all rural students get offered interviews. So I thought I'd give the interview a go. And it was genuinely a huge shock when I got a few different offers for medical school at the University of New South Wales and the University of Western Sydney. And it actually took me a moment to think about whether I really wanted to do it or not. I was loving my work in psychology. I was working with the Australian Indigenous Mentoring Experience and I was really loving both of those things. So it was a pretty big leap of faith to try medicine. But now that I'm here, I'm really, really glad that I chose it. It's an amazing profession and I get so much fulfillment out of my job every day. Yeah, that is a great origin story. Now, you grew up in a small town. Tell us where and how did you adjust being in Sydney? Did it affect your studies at all? I grew up in Arno Bay on the Air Peninsula in South Australia. And when I moved to Sydney, one of my favourite fun facts is that the number of people in my first lecture theatre when I went to UNSW was more than my entire hometown. So (laughs) it was definitely an adjustment and not just in terms of study and the number of people, but things like driving in the city and traffic lights and getting public transport all were challenges. I was lucky to have a bit of a stepping stone going from Arno Bay to Adelaide before finally moving to Sydney. But I think it was also a really great opportunity to explore things outside of my comfort zone and learn about things outside of the smaller country town worldview that I'd grown up with. So I'm really, really glad that I had that experience working and living in the city before moving back out to the country. What was it that led you to spend four weeks in the emergency department at Alice Springs Hospital? Growing up, I heard a lot of stories from my aunt, who was a nurse in Hermansburg or Ontario, which is 126 kilometres west of Alice Springs. I remember her telling me one story in particular about the local children used to cook and bring her lizards and sleepy lizards and other things, um, and she would give them dried fruit and nuts. And just all of the different stories she had about the medicine and the people sounded amazing, and it's always been a goal of mine to live and work in Central Australia. So for my medical school elective for four weeks, I thought I'd give it a go in the emergency department and was very lucky to get that placement. It can be quite competitive. 
And from there, I knew that I wanted to work in Alice Springs for internship and enjoyed it so much that I stayed on for my second year as a doctor. Wow. Well, the change from the snow to the desert country must have been interesting. Has that change in climate and landscape affected you at all? It's really just a different adventure. So I did my medical school in Albury-Wodonga and we would go to the snow on the weekends. We would explore the local vineyards and the beautiful small historic towns all around Albury-Wodonga, especially throughout Victoria. It was obviously a bit of a challenge during the COVID pandemic, but we had other ways of getting to know the local community. The river was where I did most of my study for med school exams. And moving to the central desert region was certainly a big adjustment in climate as well as the way that we spend our free time. But I think that it just shows all the different diverse and beautiful landscapes we have here in Australia to explore. And instead now we spend our weekends going to waterholes and exploring these beautiful big canyons of red rock and camping under the stars. Actually, one of my favourite things about Alice Springs Hospital is that as you drive into the staff car park, every car almost is a four-wheel drive and they all have some combination of a rooftop tent, an awning uh, and roof racks on them. So it, it is just the culture that everyone here loves to explore, get out on the weekends and experience the beautiful country around us. Now, what advice do you wish that you were given as an intern? It was fairly recent, I must admit, only six months ago that I was working as an intern yeah. and now as an RMO. And I loved my internship year. I think I learned so much. And sometimes I wish I'd kind of just enjoyed it more instead of looking to the future and looking to specialty training and really taking the opportunity to be generalist and to just learn, which is a lot of your job alongside the paperwork, obviously. What do you consider the highlights of your medical training so far? What's been the most challenging? Certainly adjusting to the patient population in Central Australia as compared to what I learned and was taught in Eastern Australia at university is very, very different. So I remember in particular there was one exam question that I studied for about rheumatic heart disease in pregnancy and thought, why on earth am I learning this? I'm never going to see this. And it's routine here. Wow. It's really quite devastating and often very saddening to see the huge disparities in healthcare and the conditions that our patients face that really just shouldn't exist in Australia today. So learning how to converse with people who often English is their fifth language, not even their second mm. or third language, how to consider their worldview and their concepts of health and their priorities alongside making sure that they get the gold standard of healthcare that they deserve and then somehow navigating the incredibly complex Australian health system is absolutely challenging but it's also very, very fulfilling when you can work alongside someone and make sure they do get that care they deserve and go the extra mile to ensure that they get their follow-up or that their discharge planning takes into account that they live 650 kilometres from the hospital. Now, you've also done some teaching and tutoring in different regions. Tell us a bit about that and was it something that you really enjoyed? I think that my interest in teaching came partly from my medical school and the way that it was set up such that all of the senior students were motivated and encouraged to teach the junior students. And I learned that the best way of learning is by teaching. In order to teach someone something, you have to know it comprehensively. You have to anticipate any of the questions that will be asked. And then you also have to look at it in a practical light rather than just theoretical in books. So I found that teaching was the best way to for me to learn and consolidate knowledge through medical school. And that certainly continued into my pre-vocational years. 
and I'm tutoring at the moment a couple of students here in Central Australia at Flinders as well as at UNSW doing the exams that I sat just a few years ago. And I found that it really keeps me up to date and aware of the basics of medicine and how working from first principles can help you once you're solving more complex medical problems and also helps to brush up on some topics that we see fairly rarely like ophthalmology and dental that are easy to slip from your mind. Dana, for medical students considering taking on a rural internship, what advice would you give to them? I've loved my internship. As I said, I found that there was a really lovely culture of working together to support patients. And the thing that I love about this hospital is that you're going to be seeing everyone at Thursday Night Trivia, so you can't afford to offend or upset someone. But also, I think it keeps you grounded in the patient. So there's a lot of lovely things about culture, but I think that you do need to understand that there will be some gaps. You won't see everything. I've never worked at a hospital that's had a neurology service. so I'm aware that for myself, that's an area that I need to work a bit harder on. And at the end of the day, you've got a long medical career ahead of you. You will see everything at some point. And the benefits of working in a rural area are really that camaraderie. And you do actually see a lot of complex patients. I know that's something that people worry about leaving a metropolitan centre to go to a rural area is that you won't see those very complex, unusual presentations. But we see a lot of SLE or lupus. We see a lot of rheumatic heart disease. We see a lot of very complex infectious diseases, things that you would see at a subspecialty centre. But instead of managing them with the help of a registrar and consultant, we're managing them with those people over the phone. So you do get a lot of experience with complex patients. Sometimes you do have to ship them out when they're very unwell, but managing them when they come back from that metro centre back to your remote centre, you have to learn just as well about the condition and the patients and what's going on for them. So I think it's a different way of learning. You'll see different things, absolutely, but you'll have an amazing learning experience and it will often be very hands-on and very supported. Now, you're also chair of the NT Public Health Network Clinical Advisory Council, Tell us a bit about the council and your role as chair. The Northern Territory Public Health Network mirrors the PHNs all around the country, whose job it is to take the government initiatives and guidelines and funding and funnel it into local organisations that carry out that work. And it's primarily in the primary healthcare space, where it's about prevention, it's about looking at holistic health. And the reason that I love this role and that I put my hand up for it was because a lot of the things that we see in the hospital are the acute pointy end of care. It's when everything else has failed and the patients become so sick that they do need to be an inpatient to get the medical care that they need. We can do so much better for health by taking a step back to primary care and focusing on prevention, on early intervention, and also on support in a lot of non-health spaces to improve health, like housing, like access to laundries, for example. There's a great remote laundry project that's in place to prevent and reduce scabies and its impacts in remote communities. And you look at how that has a flow-on effect. So if someone has recurrent scabies infections as a child and that turns into impetigo, and then they have impetigo infections and that turns into acute rheumatic fever, that acute rheumatic fever turns into rheumatic heart disease the rheumatic heart disease coupled with early pregnancy in women then leads to early heart failure for women in their 20s and 30s. And we're seeing these conditions that shouldn't exist for young people in Australia happening on a very regular basis. And it can be really frustrating to be working in that secondary healthcare space and seeing these people who are so unwell and knowing that it can be prevented with simple public health interventions early on. 
So I think that that keeps me a bit more sane and makes me feel like sometimes I'm actually doing something to be working not just in the secondary care where we're essentially putting a Band-Aid on to something that's already occurred, but looking at the systemic level of how we can intervene and help with people's health early on. And I must admit, I'm very junior to be working in this role, and I am the most junior person on the committee, actually, to be its chair. But the role is really taking the lived experience of practitioners across the Northern Territory and drawing on the expertise of the amazing people in the panel and the council who are across a whole range of health fields and looking at how we can advise the government guidelines to make sure they're implemented in a way that will actually work in the NT health system and the communities that are perhaps very different to the way that the guidelines would be implemented in somewhere like New South Wales or Victoria. What an amazing experience for someone in your position to take on such an incredible role. Are there particular organisations or networks that have supported you along your journey and how so? These are almost too numerous to mention. I think probably the earliest one that I still think about and I find myself feeling very fortunate for is that when I was first starting out thinking about medicine, I had to sit the UMAT and I'd never thought about it before. It was two months before the test and I've heard of some students at private schools spending two years prepping to sit the UMAT, doing practice tests and learning how to take the test. And there was the Rural Doctors Association of South Australia sponsoring a session for students from rural areas to do a UMAT tutoring day, essentially, where we sat down and we learned how to approach the questions, learned how to answer them. And I absolutely don't think I would be here if it wasn't for that. I also think working with the Australian Indigenous Mentoring Experience at the time of my application was hugely beneficial in working with Indigenous high school students and supporting them to do their university applications and think about their next steps in life. It also prompted me to think about what I really wanted to do and kind of take that slightly scary step of applying for a program that is reputably very difficult to get into and also moving halfway across the country to do it. And then, of course, throughout university, there were so many supports, clubs, organisations, I did a lot of volunteer work with the Australian Medical Students Association, including being on the board. And there was actually a junior doctor at the time who was talking to me as a medical student. And they said that working and volunteering with AMSA was actually the thing that prepared him most for being a junior doctor. It's about communication, negotiation, teamwork, task prioritisation. And you don't necessarily learn all of those skills in medical school. So all of the, I think, volunteering opportunities, the committees, the things I did outside of medicine, including working in a bar throughout most of my time in Sydney, (laughs) is actually what prepared me the best for working in the hospital environment, as well as obviously having a good knowledge of basic medical sciences through university. Yeah. With all the extraordinary experience that you've had so far, if you had a magic wand, What's the one thing you would change in healthcare in Central Australia and why? I did have a think about this question before our interview and the gut thing that I went to was housing. That's the thing that really is a barrier to most of the things that we try and put in place, the different occupational therapy interventions, being able to take certain medicines requires them to be refrigerated. Being refrigerated requires good power supply and good housing and so so many of the problems that happen with health are because our patients don't have secure housing. 
But upon reflection, it's definitely a step back from that. So the reason that the public housing that's been put in place in Central Australia hasn't worked is because it lacks community consultation. The houses aren't built in a way that work for the local Indigenous peoples and how they live and how they travel and how they live in big community groups. And so I think in everything that we do, there needs to be not just community consultation because consultation implies that you are creating a plan and then going to people and saying, what do you think of it? It really needs to be community-led and that's where having the small community groups that run these initiatives that are then supported by government funding and support is a really effective model because it is Indigenous-led, like the Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisations, which there's a national transition towards. So I think overall in all areas, whether it be housing, health, social support, it needs to be Aboriginal community-led. Well, final question, Dana. Where do you see yourself in five or ten years? I have absolutely no idea, to <laughs> be perfectly honest. I look back five to ten years and I certainly didn't think that I would be working as an RMO in Central Australia and on the ACRAM training program. So I definitely can't predict where I'll be in five or 10 years. And I found that just taking each amazing opportunity as it arises is how I've gotten here today. And my plan more or less is just to keep doing that. I think I always want to have some element of clinical practice. I love the ability to stand in front of a patient and to help and support them to achieve not just their health goals, but their life goals that are dictated by their health, their mobility, their function. But also I always want to be working in some ways on a systemic level to try and change those non-health factors and the systemic factors that really do make the biggest difference in people's health and well-being and satisfaction. So I think anywhere that I can do both of those things, I have no idea what that's going to look like, but I'm excited for whatever opportunities come up. Dr Dana Duncan, a resident medical officer at Ellis Springs Hospital. This is Destination Medicine. Thanks for listening. Regional training hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program. 